0: Thank you for standing, you may be seated and worshiping uh, with us today, and uh, I'm I'm glad to have my family here uh, this week, and uh, Mother's Day was awesome, I loved Mother's Day, and Mama Marquita that song, I went home and I tried to sing it for Sarah, wasn't quite the same, and uh, so we're gonna have to get you to sing that song again, because that was just it just absolutely, absolutely blessed me. Well, someone was teased me earlier this morning and they said, they said, Ryan, why are you wearing an Eagles shirt? An Eagles shirt. Well, obviously you know I'm an Eagles fan. It's because the Lakers right now, which is my basketball team, are stinking. So I figured I would just, you know, kind of kind of live back the glory days, even though football's not going on right now. At least they made it to a Super Bowl and Moody. Boys, sorry, three <laughs> zero might not be uh, might not come out all that well at the end of that. But uh, so, but it's good to it's good to be here this morning, and uh, I believe that the Lord desires to uh, work in our midst. Uh, we've mentioned we we covet your prayers, uh, Sarah and myself do. Uh, we get on a plane uh, this evening and uh, we fly over to Europe for a few weeks as we celebrate 20 years, and not actually the date yet. But um, so. Give her the clap. I mean, she got to put up with this guy for for 20 years. But uh, so um, many of you have said, hey, we'll check in on your kids. And that means a great deal. Thank you. Uh, they're going to be uh, taken care of really well uh, by some friends in the area. And so, uh, but pray for us because we're on a lot of planes. We're going to a bunch of different places. And uh, we uh, obviously need the safety of that. But uh, I promise you. We're gonna have a great time, but we will deeply miss you. And uh, I, I, you can talk to Sarah. You could talk to me. There's not a time that goes by when we're away from this place where we're not saying, "Oh, you know, it'd be, it'd be so. Uh, I'd love to tell so and so this." And we just, we, we miss our, we miss our family, and you are family uh, to us. And so we're uh, excited to kind of uh, try a few churches uh, over there, but nothing's gonna be, uh, nothing's gonna be like Redwood. And so I'm just, but please pray for us as we, as we jump on a plane, uh, later today. Well, we have an awesome opportunity today. Our, uh, our budget, we, uh, don't worry, we're not having a budget meeting. Uh, we already had one of those and we approved the budget and, uh, our, our missions giving praise God has just, um, I was telling, um, a gentleman this morning about how just every single month this year, it's just continually going up. And uh, that is a that is a good thing. And so, but our budget was based on a um, twenty-five missionaries, and uh, we are just a little bit under that. And so we are actively looking uh, to bring on uh, two missionaries. And uh, one of the uh, missionaries that we would like to present to you to bring on uh, for support as a church is the Beal family. Uh, if you remember, they were with us back in March, and uh, they are missionaries down in Latin America through Core Missions. And we learned all about Core Missions, and they're partnering with the foreign, uh, the, the nationals there that already know the language, already know know the culture, already know how to live on uh, often the, the level you know, of, of just the common people where, you know, when uh, a missionary comes maybe from the States and they go, they have to raise so much more support because they have to have health insurance and then just the way way of living here in America, right? And so they're gonna be uh, supporting national pastors and reaching into remote villages. And so uh, as a church family, we would love to uh, take this family on for support they were here in March and um, and so we are excited to uh, have the uh, have the Beal family you know participate in our in our missions giving so uh, we haven't done this in a while but can I get a first to uh, say that we would bring on the Beal family buddy in the back there second Mike. all in favor say amen amen awesome so they are fantastic family right now mrs. Beal is having um, some Uh, just kind of health issues, and uh, they desire to be leaving um, for Venezuela uh, um, in June, but she's going to have to have a medical procedure that's going to keep her here for the whole family here for a few more months. So be praying for them, Um, but uh, they are just a fantastic and worthy uh, family to uh, bring on for support, and I don't see... Pam here this morning but Pam has been uh, such a blessing with our our missions and just bringing uh, I I love the first Sunday of every month uh, because she'll bring some flavors right from those different countries and make some goodies and we get to kind of sample those and we're going to have that particular Sunday The second Sunday of June only because I will be gone the first but uh, I love those I love those Sundays but our giving as missions have gone up every single month and we are far exceeding uh, each month what we have committed to our missionaries and so thank you thank you thank you God gets the glory but he uses us and he uses the burden that we have to partner with these men and women that Do take the gospel around the world. And so, amen for that. Well, let's continue in our series of the Sermon on the Mount. And we have kind of broken that off into a mini series that we have entitled Kingdom Prayer. Of course, last week we took uh, Mother's Day uh, and we um, looked at a looked at Mary and what it was like uh, to and we celebrated motherhood, even though our society doesn't. And so, this morning I have a very creative title for you. Are you ready for this? Forgiving us our debts, Part Three, like that. So we had forgiveness us in our debts, Part One, Part Two, and I'm just lacking the creativity this morning. And we're going to look at this part three of this and get a the full concept here of what jesus was teaching so let's read the entire uh, prayer here beginning in verse number nine after this manner therefore pray ye our father which art in heaven matthew 6 <coughs> excuse me hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, spent all these weeks there. And lead us not into temptation, but delivers from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. And then I've said this for weeks now, and then there's a footnote from verse 12 in verse number 14, for, If ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And my prayer is that before we're done today, we have a full understanding of what verses 14 and 15 means. Dale Carnegie in uh, his book, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. If you've ever, ever been accused of being a worry wart, you ought to get this book, all right, uh, by Day, um, Dale Carnegie. And he tells of, of a story of when he visited Yellowstone National Park. And while he was there, he saw a grizzly bear and there had been some kind of leftover kind of camp food and stuff, like what we're not supposed to do right when we go to these national parks, there's signs everywhere, you know, don't leave your trash, don't leave your trash. But some had done that, and a grizzly bear was kind of out in an open field just literally having a heyday um, with all of the leftover snacks and foods, and no one in dared come and bother this grizzly bear. But Carnegie just continued to take notice that there eventually was another animal that came in to uh, kind of this this area where all the food was, and he parked himself right next to the grizzly bear, and the animal was a skunk. It was a skunk, and Carnegie just kind of talked about how he says the bear didn't object, and he knew why. It would cost the bear too much to get even. You may be able to get even with your enemies, but it does not pay. And then he goes on to say, why don't you forgive instead? And so the word forgive, it strikes us immediately. Forgive. It's hard, right? It's a word. But you add an N to that. Forgive in. Now it takes on a whole different meaning. Now it's a word that is celebrated. Now it is a word that is, you know, that, that, that is so esteemed. It's a beautiful word in any language, forgiveness. There's nothing more wonderful to know than that your sins are all forgiven by God. There is nothing in the human realm more wonderful to know that you have been forgiven by someone else that you have wronged forgiveness. It's a thrilling word. There's an inscription in a cemetery outside of New York City, and it's a large rectangular headstone. And on this headstone, there is not a name of a person. There is not a what when he or she was born or when he or she had died On this headstone it doesn't say something like a beloved mother or a beloved father wife brother sister and so on there's just one word and it stretches from one end to the headstone to the other and it's the word forgiven and you see that headstone there somebody wanted it known that they could die in peace because they were forgiven and that's all that really matters Henry Ward Beecher said in an 1868 sermon that he delivered at Plymouth Church in Brooklyn, he said this, Let me go and saw off a branch from one of the trees that is now budding in my garden, and all summer long there will be an ugly scar where the gash has been made. But by next autumn it will be perfectly covered over by the growing, and by the following autumn it will be hidden out of sight. And in four or five years, there be but a slight scar where it has been. And in 10 or 20 years, you will never suspect that there had ever been an amputation. I like what he says here. Now, trees know how to overgrow their injuries and hide them. And love does not wait as long as trees do. What did, what did Peter say? Peter said, love covers a multitude of what? Sins. And love is powerful. It's, much, it, it's in a much bigger hurry than maybe a tree is. Forgiveness is a vital commodity of love. Forgiveness is man's, man's greatest need. It's his greatest spiritual, deepest spiritual need. So for, apart from forgiveness, man never enters into a relationship with God. Apart from forgiveness, he pays his own penalty for his sin. Apart from forgiveness, he's going to spend an eternity in a lake of fire that the Bible calls hell. Forgiveness then becomes man's deepest spiritual need. Forgiveness is also the only way he is delivered from the anxiety and the the pressure that the guilt of sin brings and bears upon a life. And so you come to verse number 12 of this of this lord's prayer disciples prayer however you want to coin the prayer that we've been studying now for uh, a couple months Uh, you touch man's deepest point of his need we've discussed the judicial side of forgiveness and then we also discussed two weeks ago part two of this the the practical in the way we phrased it was parental side and I want to ask you a few questions. Are you experiencing the joyfulness and the closeness with God that comes from this type of dual forgiveness? Are you, are you enjoying that? How about forgiving others? Have you freed others from the bondage of an offense by openly and full-heartedly forgiving them? These are questions that I think we need to begin to ponder. We need to begin to answer. And the fullness of the answer to those questions is in all three of these parts of this message. And so for you to get a full understanding of what, of what it means to forgive us our debts as we forgive others, and then to jump down to verse 14 and 15, you really do need part one and part two. So I'd encourage you to go to our YouTube channel and to watch those. But let's deal with this third aspect of forgiveness, not only this judicial side, not only what we call the parental side, but the forgiving of others. And there are several reasons why we're to forgive one another and, and not in a particular order, but let me give those to you. First off, Christians are characterized as those who forgive. So this is how, this is how we're characterized. A Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, is characterized as one who forgives. Earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 43, Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Can I sum those words up with, You forgive them? Because there's no way that you can do what Christ is saying here apart from being willing to forgive them. And so as a believer, we are the forgiven. Are we not? With the N, forgiveness as a believer has been extended to us. Have we so soon forgotten what it has been forgiven in us? Have we so soon forgotten what God has forgiven you because of Christ's sake that we wouldn't forgive someone else? we so soon forgotten that? When we fail to forgive someone else, we set ourselves up as a higher court system than God because God will infinitely forgive in Christ. And if we set ourselves up higher than God, this of course is idolatry for you're worshiping yourself as if you were God. You are trying to usurp his place. And so we're characterized by this. Christians, they are willing to forgive. This is a tough message. I'm going to ask you to stick with me. They are characterized by forgiveness. Let me say, secondly, forgiveness follows the example of Christ. So we're characterized by it. And then it also follows the example of Christ. 1 John 2, 6 says, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. And how did he walk? Well, Jesus walked in forgiveness of forgiving others. Ephesians 4.32, And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you and so Christ he's established this pattern he's established a model for us and so if we're claiming to be a Christian we're claiming to be a follower of Christ that we are abiding in him that we need to walk like he walks and Christ was one that embodied forgiveness on the cross literally speaking to the very ones who had just nailed him to, the, to, to that tree, the very ones that had spit in his face, that have mocked him, that literally beat him, that took that crown of thorns and beat it into that blessed forehead of your savior. It says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. And therein is the model, as the severity of any offense towards us cannot match that as the writer of Hebrews says you have not suffered unto blood none of us have endured what Christ has endured and he forgave us all and he set a pattern so we're defined Christians are defined this way the example of Christ is before us let me give you another reason forgiveness expresses the high virtue of man I believe let me caveat that I believe man manifests the majesty of his creation in the image of God when he expresses forgiveness. I believe that's what's indicated by Solomon in Proverbs nineteen eleven: the discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. The highest exhibiting of the virtue of man is that he overlooks a transgression. We're to forgive one another because it is the characteristic of saints, because it is the example of Christ, because it is, can be esteemed as maybe the highest virtue that mankind can be in the image of God. But then let me say fourthly here, forgiveness frees the conscience from guilt. See, when there is a need to be forgiven and to forgive, there's guilt. right? And so if we need to forgive somebody else and we're not and we're holding that back there's that there's guilt that comes along with that and then if we're the ones that need to be forgiven of course there's guilt that comes with that i think of david who in the midst of his unforgiving situation he has all kinds of problems his life literally dries up literally to the point where he said his saliva is just completely dried. His mouth is so dried. He's describing kind of just the need for forgiveness after his sin with Bathsheba and the murdering of Uriah. And When he's describing his need for confession in Psalm 51, he's saying, literally, my saliva's dried up. He's saying, everything has gone wrong. He's saying, I'm sick. He said, his bones are waxing old. He described his body as roaring inside. Why? Because of this conscience of guilt. Whether needing to be forgiven or forgiving somebody else. And this was connected to an unforgiving heart, which is an advantage for Satan, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. If we won't, it gives a place for the devil. It gives the devil an advantage point in your life to launch if you allow me to put it this way launch attacks into all different areas of your life nothing's going right ryan maybe it's this maybe it's we've given we've given place we've given a situation here we're holding on to such guilt of needing to forgive or need maybe needing to be forgiven for something that we've done or said and it's bringing such Havoc on our life. David describes his life that way. We okay this morning? Hey, I get to get on a plane later today. I love you enough to preach this. Let me say this forgiveness delivers us from chastening. See, where there's an unforgiving spirit, there is sin. And where there is sin, there is chastening. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. What a blessing chastening is because it means that you belong in the family. What a blessing. But let me give you another important reason and it's where our text leads us and it's where we're gonna spend the rest of our time. Those are all worthy reasons why you ought to be Forgiving others and then asking for forgiveness of yourselves. But let me say sixthly, we are to forgive one another because if we do not, we do not get forgiven ourselves. Hmm. If we are to forgive one another because if we do not, we do not get forgiven ourselves. You know how many people have stumbled over verses fourteen and fifteen? I know that I've chewed on it for years. The, uh, the 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 Daltons are away on their anniversary trip as well, and he and I spoke a couple weeks ago, and I'm just like, man, this this these verses are just, uh, and we were kind of chewing on it together. But let's read the verses again. Remember this footnote to verse twelve, verse fourteen says For... If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Crazy verses, right? How many of you want to have like a better understanding of what these verses? If you say yes to that, I'm going to need you to stick with me this morning. Okay, just kind of just stick with with what the Lord desires to do. Many do not understand these verses, and the truth is, there's a wide range of interpretation of them, and I say to you, that is okay. I am not going to stand up in front of you and say that I know perfectly exactly what this means, and that I'm right, and everybody else is wrong, but I'm going to try to kind of show us from Scripture to help us be able to understand what Jesus is saying here, and I've already said this. For those of you that have missed the first couple weeks in this kind of mini, mini, mini series on prayer, and, and the confession of sin, you're going to need to go back because the full meaning of what I have to say today is not going to have its full meaning because I can't repeat everything from part one or part two because then we'd be here till like three o'clock, amen? And how many of you are hungry? My stomach is already growled, like big time. I'm ready to eat, it's ready to go. So I can't review everything, but I'm going to try to kind of give us some little glimpses of what we have looked at. We saw that there were two types of forgiveness. First there was judicial forgiveness and the second was the parental forgiveness. Okay? And so again if you don't understand, I believe those two things we interpret these verses wrong. Judicial forgiveness is that forgiveness that God grants to the unredeemed, to the unsaved, to the the individual who comes and puts their faith in Christ. And at that moment, what God does is he imputes Jesus Christ's record and righteousness to that person that's coming and asking for forgiveness. This judicial standing before God, and we are declared righteous. We are declared justified before God, and that's forever. Judicial forgiveness embraces all of eternity, embraces your entire life, and imputes to us the perfect record and righteousness of Christ it's a settled act forever all the trespasses everything that we've done are totally forgiven all of those ordinances that the Apostle Paul said in Colossians chapter number two that were being stacked up against you all of our deeds all of our thoughts past present and future we're still gonna sin all of that was nailed to the cross Jesus Christ bore all of that and that is the judicial side totally forgiven and that's all in part one of the sermon but then some might say well this is a prayer then for the unbeliever no i taught on that in part one just to teach the judicial part of it i believe this prayer is to the believer because of how it starts our father we're not talking about an unbeliever here You have to be in the family to kind of get in on this prayer, so to speak. This is how you are to pray as a believer. Well, if you say, if I'm a believer and I am judicially cared for in the fact of my salvation, which is true, then why am I asking for forgiveness? And this is what we just coined because of the Our Father concept, the parental forgiveness. This has nothing to do with the fact of salvation. And we showed it. You're going to have to go back to part two. I showed it in so many different passages. This is the connection to your joy. This is the connection to your closeness with the Father. Remember when we went into John 13 and the whole washing? And Peter's like, man, wash my whole body. Jesus is like, you don't need your whole body washed. You've already been judicially washed. It's just your feet. It's nasty, right? The custom, and we kind of joked along with that. It's like, if you want to be close with me, you got to clean the feet. Now, should you guys, I mean, Jesus was the one doing it so much in John 13, right? And then 1 John 1, we took 1 John 1. He said, we write all of this so you can be part of the family. And then this epistle is that your joy might be full. So this, I believe, is what we are now referring to here in verses 14 and 15 it's this parental side of forgiveness if you want the whole idea part two on our page so this morning we come to a third word so the first one was sin second one was forgiveness and the third one is now confession talked about sin We've talked about forgiveness. Now we come to confession. Now, when we say the word confess, what do we mean? Well, the word confess simply means to say the same thing. The Greek word homolog is to say the same. Here's what it means it means to agree with God. Well, confessing, what are we to confess? Sin. So we're connecting to sin. That's at least the context. We can confess a whole lot of things. I can confess before you that I love this woman right here. I plan on spending multiple weeks with her. I can't wait. So, but our context, what are we confessing? Sin. So it's to agree with God about our sin. It's to acknowledge our sin. It's to repent of our sin. What? Hear hear me, hear me, hear me. Don't forget this. And it's to thank God For the forgiveness of sin. It's, can I put it this way? When you are willing to confess your sin and you're to confess it in a biblical way, you're reminding yourself of the gospel. You're preaching the gospel to yourself that you judicially stand in forgiveness and the beautiful restoration of that joy and the closeness with God the Father comes right back. Why? Because you're acknowledging before. You're agreeing with God. Just as I've said over and over again, my kids kind of stand forgiven with me, because I'm dad. No matter what they do, I'm still dad and they're still my child. And they, they really kind of stand in forgiveness. But why do I want them to come and ask me for forgiveness? So I can tell them how accepted and how loved and how precious they are. That I'm thankful that I get to be the dad and that they're my child closeness restored and we could do that with a spouse we we talked about that as well and so it's thanking god for the forgiveness of it i'll be honest with you anything less than that is isn't true confession got to go the full way you got to go the whole circle You got to agree with god you got to acknowledge your sin you got to repent from that sin you got to say god help me to forsake the sin and god thank you that there's forever forgiveness We doing okay? All right? I find that many Christians never confess their sins as they should. And I'm one of those. Now, they might, when they kind of need God, they get a little bit desperate, so they start thinking, okay, well, if God's really going to work, then i got to do this and this and this and this and this. And we start kind of just shotgunning it, maybe trying to confess our sins. But listen, I believe this is a part of knowing the fullness and the blessing of our lives, this confession. And every time you articulate your sin to the Lord and you give it to him in a very specific manner, here's what I will tell you. You are specific with God. You are agreeing with God about that specific sin. Listen, I'm not gonna preach a list of sins today. Holy Spirit does that. But you agree with him. You know what it is? It's so much harder to pick that sin back up when you've named it. When you have agreed with God about it, when you have been open and raw and authentic before the God of heaven who knows everything anyways and says, oh, I hate this sin. I agree with you. This is bad. It's harder to pick that back up. But if we just kind of confess in generalities, I think sometimes we confess in generalities because we want to pick it up again next week there's a lot of power that's left on the table in Christ that we fully have access to because Christians they're not they're not willing to be real and authentic and to confess their sins so we've seen the problem the problem is sin the provision is forgiveness the plea is confession but let me give you the fourth word here and that is the prerequisite forgiving forgiving others that's another reason it cannot be talking about an unbeliever because an unbeliever has no capacity no spiritual virtue to do an act of forgiveness the way that we are being commanded to do here let me ask you a question you don't have to answer out loud but just answer it in your mind is salvation by works so we say no It's all of grace right it's faith in Christ it's not of works so the text is for the person who's already been judicially forgiven this text is not teaching that you must work you must forgive so you can then be forgiven that would be works by salvation that would be Jesus Christ would be teaching here that that You've got to do something to gain the judicial merit. Part one, we taught that that is all of Christ. There's nothing that we can do. So we must be dealing with this parental side of things. There's now a prerequisite that goes along with that. The joy is no longer in your life if we've not confessed that sin. That closeness with the Father, with God, is not there. We kind of feel ostracized a little bit from God. Why? Because we know that there's known sin between us. Well, that same type of forgiveness is now brought to a third level and that's between man this way between us is there is there something between us now i want you to think with me for a moment and trace back the steps of your life Perhaps you look at your life and you say, Ryan, I come to church all the time. Thank you. That's for God, but thank you. I, I acknowledge that. I was talking to a man before church. It's a blessing to see the same faces every week. Encourages your pastor. I mean that. I know summer's coming. I'm going to be gone for multiple weeks. I, I, I get that. But seeing your face is an encouragement. It's a blessing. So we say, hey, I come to church all the time. I read the Bible. I, I, I listen to the sermons. I come to extra Bible studies if they're there. And I don't have the joy that I ought to have. I don't seem to be being used by God the way that I want to be used. I feel like my life is not all that it could be. Ryan, I get so tired of the routine, trying to kind of measure up to God in this spiritual standard. And somebody comes to you and they says, hey, you need to pray more. So you try praying more. They say, hey, you need to read this book. And so you read this book. Hey, you need to watch this YouTube video or this online seminar and the, 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 the ticket to spirituality. And you try and you try and you just still are missing reality maybe the answer is very simple maybe you're not confessing your sin maybe you're not going to the Lord and saying God I I agree with you about my sin I admit it here purify me restore this joy restore this closeness and maybe you say hey hey Ryan I'm doing all of that then I would encourage you to take one further step back and ask you, are you releasing others in your life from what they've done and said? Are you extending forgiveness? Are you seeking forgiveness from man or woman so we're trying hey hey, we're we're trying to do everything right this way well now we got to come this way that's what i believe jesus is teaching here begin to examine your life at that level Oswald Sanders says, Jesus is here stating a principle in God's dealing with his children, our father, the whole prayer starts with our father. And that's why I often will say this is the disciples prayer, the followers of Jesus, those of us that are believers. This is our prayer, our father. He's dealing with us as children. He deals with us as we deal with others. He measures us by the yardstick we use on others the prayer is not forgive us because we forgive others that'd be works but forgive us even as we have already forgiven others that is the idea he's gonna deal with us as we deal with others another illustration that clears this up some might be when Jesus says give unto you or give and it shall be given unto you you give sparingly you're gonna reap sparingly you give bountifully you're gonna reap bountifully Jesus talks about that in Luke 6 God deals with us the way that we deal with him whenever we invest in his kingdom we receive a return on it if we harbor sins hear me hear me hear me hear me if we harbor sins and grudges and so forth we cut ourselves off from the blessings that can accrue to us because of those things listen listen so sparingly and you will what reap. now you're gonna reap sparingly but it's still a reaping God is a God of abundance and God is a is, is a God of grace and he's wanting to give listen we're not talking about a law here It's grace it's beautiful the same thing is the same thing is true on your confession of sin and seeking forgiveness God deals with you the way you deal with others which type of forgiveness not the judicial done settled it's this joy the closeness it's so that we're not like this all the time and you know there's a ton of Christians like that you say, Ryan, it's not my personality. Uh, okay, I'm not talking about that. Everyone's different, right? You know, I'm really introverted. Okay, no, that's not true. I'm an extrovert. You know who's an introvert? My wife's an introvert. So we're opposites track, babe. But you know what I mean? <clears throat> no joy. No closeness. It's on this level that we're missing it. Maybe we're short-circuiting our spiritual life because we're holding bitter resentment or a grudge against someone. We're talking about the, the parental forgiveness, the closeness and the joy with God. What about your life? are you forgiving towards others? Because if you're not, God's not going to hear what I'm about to say. Hear me, out, hear me out. God is not to f- going to forgive you and you are going to be going through the world with dirty, muddy feet. It's the second type of forgiveness. That closeness with God, now you're not going to feel that. That joy of a Christian that knows that we're in intimacy once again with God? we're not going to experience that. We're gonna be confessing away, Lord, 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 but then we're gonna hold a grudge towards somebody else. And you know what, That's not that, those Lord, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's gonna have null effect. That's what I believe Jesus is teaching here. Jesus is like, if you're not willing to do it this way, then it's not, you're not gonna experience it this way. Not the judicial, because it's not a work. Jesus Christ takes care of that. This is the practical, every moment, joy that we are talking about. It's getting our feet washed. Because, Peter, you're already, you're already saved. You're already born again. You've already been washed. Now, there's one person at this table that's not referring to Judas, but you all are good. You just need to kind of, if you want to be close again with me, let's clean those nasty feet. That's what we're talking about here. Joy, closeness. So how do we take care of it? Now, let me just go extremely fast here. I got two Nicks in the back, but the Nick that's in charge of the, the slides, just try to stick with me here. Number one, how do, you, how do you get this back? Just super, super fast. Take it to God as a sin. Just take it to God as a sin. Take it where it starts. Lord, this is the person and this is the way that I feel and it is a sin, and I admit it, and I'm sorry, and I acknowledge it, and I repent of it, and I forsake of it. Okay, starting there, okay? I can start start sensing it, and then you got to go to the person. What? I mean, like, in 2023, I actually got to go to the person? You mean I can't just, like, text them? You mean I can't just, like, respond on, like, Twitter and just, nah? go to the person. Go to the person and say, I'm sorry. Sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for what I've said. Or, or go to the person and say, I'm sorry that I've been so angry with you. I have not been willing to forgive what you did to me. You say, I'm supposed to say sorry both ways. If we're harboring it, If it's caused bitterness in our life, guess what? That'd be sin. And so we bring it to God, bring it to others. Let me just pinpoint a few things and we'll be done. You've listened so well. I'm going to get ready to go away for a few weeks. Someone else is going to be doing the preaching. So I had a long sermon. Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful. Remember when we went through the Beatitudes? That was many, 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 many months ago. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy in other words if you want to receive mercy from god you must be what merciful it's a principle of spiritual life people in christ's kingdom followers of christ that means we're going to be men and women that are merciful they're going to bear with the insults of evil men and their hearts are going to reach out in compassion now in that context, it was much broader, and we went through that. You can go back into that series, but you want mercy, you give mercy. Let me give you another one. Matthew 5, 21, you have heard that it has been said them all of old time, thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. That is, that is a statement that gives a reference to kind of the tradition of the, of the, um, kind of the, 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 the Rubnik law. This is kind of how the rabbis and their different traditions Your tradition says you shall not kill and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. In other words, your teaching is that and certainly there's truth to that, but it wasn't all the truth because Jesus comes and says, this is what you have said. You've said, hey, that if you murder somebody, then you're gonna be in danger of the law and judgment. Sure you are, but he goes, but I say if you're angry with them, you have hatred in your heart towards them, you've committed murder already. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, remember when we looked at that? Image bearers of God. When we say, you are a fool, that's what that word means. You've stepped into a very dangerous category. Verse 23 of the same text says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. The point is the same the context is a little different as we saw in our study but the point is the same you cannot come offering to the Lord some sacrifice to deal with your own spiritual life until you have gotten it right with somebody else so that's why I said, as you're taking inventory of your life, man, Ryan, I'm trying to do everything. I'm trying to read the Bible. I'm praying. I'm trying to be in church as much as I can. I'm trying to listen to the sermons. I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to grow. I'm reading this book. I'm reading this book on prayer, and I'm trying it. I'm trying it. Well, are you confessing your sin? Yeah, I'm confessing my sin. I'm saying the same thing before the Lord. I'm acknowledging it. I'm trying to forsake it. God, restore it, but it's still not there. Take one step further back. Are you willing to forgive others? Are you willing to ask for forgiveness when you've done wrong? Because Jesus says, man, go away and make it right first. Who am I to not forgive somebody else? What did David say? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because all the days of my life, I need mercy. Why? Because I still sin. Because I still don't say the right thing. I still don't always do the right thing. And if God is so merciful, without his mercy ever being diminished all the days of my life, who am I to be unmerciful to anyone else? No wonder so much of Christianity is short-circuited in its power. So many unresolved conflicts with people. Thomas Manton said in the complete works of his There is none so tender to others as they which have received mercy themselves, for they know how gently God hath dealt with them. Please hear me. One of the reasons that you need to acknowledge your sin and that it exists and that you are to confess it, that you're to name it, and you're to agree with God, and you are to do it on a constant basis, is so you can be showered in forgiveness, and you can do it this way. Ryan, I can't forgive that person. Preach the gospel to yourself this morning. You are in radical need of forgiveness and mercy. Oh, by the way, All the days of your life. So now we can extend it. And when we do, hear me, you're going to feel it this way. That parental type of forgiveness, that joy, that closeness. going to come back who do you need to release from what they've done ryan you don't understand you're probably right i try but jesus does his accusers his murderers the most mockery of a trial and he says father forgive them you say ryan but i'm not jesus but this is the Jesus way. This is otherworldly. This is Christ in you type of stuff. I'm not asking you to do it in your own power. And I struggle in my own power to forgive some I've been. I've been so kind of upset with somebody and resentful recently and I'm like, I can't even do this in my own power. So I start my Saturday night routine, going over my sermon over and over again. And I'm like, okay, God released, released the person. And I'm telling you what, joy, closeness that, that my kids saw me struggling prior to me getting released to this yesterday. Released. This is otherworldly. You've let me preach a long time this morning, thank you. This, my friend, is Christ in you. This is kingdom prayer. And you've been empowered in Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I pray that you would take this sermon, you would drive it so much further down than I possibly could. Are there other ways to interpret this?